0: Enlighten me, bitch, I be a boss, I got the sauce, no point in fighting me Demons leave them torch, I run my kingdom, call me sire, we never taking L's, only lessons No, we never counting fails, only blessings, never stressing I said, enlighten me, bitch, I be a boss, I got the sauce, no point in fighting me Gang, they hyping me, rightfully I am stable, I am able, I am wealthy, full of health On a ride. I got the belt, you got a problem? Check yourself, bitch What's up, Josh Sunquist?
1: Uh, you know, just hanging out at your podcast.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for coming to my podcast. My pleasure. I'm so excited to have you here. Yeah,
1: no, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Your
0: beautiful wife dropped you off. Yep. Which is amazing. I love her.
1: Yeah, I also love her.
0: Uh, okay, well, that's good. I'm so glad that you were down to come on the podcast. You we were talking about, like, I think that people generally do like coming on podcasts.
1: Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it's like someone's like, y- "You're you're so interesting that um, I would like to talk to you for an hour. I'd like to record it, <laughs> and I think other people should also listen." It's like, "Oh, cool. Well, I feel very special."
0: Exactly. Like I didn't ask you to come on the podcast because you have a bad personality.
1: Yeah. Well, hopefully not. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no it, <laughs> it sucks. like, yeah, my podcast format is I, I bring people on and make fun of them for <laughs> a bad person. I feel like you could only do that podcast a couple episodes. And then once people started listening to it, then they would never be guests anymore.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like uh, In Between Two Ferns. Do you remember that show? Yes, yes. Which is amazing. I loved that. So you have a new TV show coming out. Yes. Amazing. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. On Apple TV. Yeah, wild, huh? That's actually how I met you originally in act, in Leslie Kahn's acting class mm-hmm. yeah. during the pandemic. You were taking acting classes for the first time for your TV show, correct?
1: Yeah. Well, yes, actually, I started for uh for you know no big deal, but for another TV show. Uh, amazing. Uh, yeah. uh,
0: tell us about well, that pretty one. Pretty big too. deal. Um, <laughs>
1: that's why I'm on your podcast. Uh, yeah, no, I um started doing a voice acting character during the pandemic for a show that will come to Netflix next year. Um, and I actually got got cast as like a series regular on this show and then, but i'd never really done any acting or um acting classes which i know is is sounds is like to tell actors that it's just like so it sounds like okay, i feel bad no, saying it
0: but you know what see i don't yeah i've been acting for i guess i've been in la like 10 years now and if someone comes into an acting class and is inexperienced, I'm like, yes, honey, go for it. Like, yeah. I think that if you're an actor and if you look down upon someone who's acting for the first time, I feel like that's an internal thing. Yes. That's, you know, and I. that's an insecurity if someone puts you down for trying—because everyone has to start somewhere. Like, I remember when I first started acting classes, and I also remember— I do remember people making me feel bad about it. And those people didn't make me feel good. But it's like i you latch on to the people who make you feel like it's no big deal. Like you're just going for it. You're doing it. I think it's cool.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. And yeah, I felt like there was so like I felt like our acting class was so cool.
0: Everyone was so welcoming. Yeah, it's like I
1: keep in touch with them, as I'm sure you do. And, yeah. and that's why I'm here on your podcast. So yeah, it was such a cool experience doing doing that, and I was doing this voice show, and then the show you're referring to that's about to come out is uh, live action, and I actually do act in that uh, briefly as a cameo role. But it is uh, it's actually like the story of my childhood. So like the the star of the show is um, eleven, uh, and I'm an executive. Producer. Producer and writer on the show, and that's like so. That's my main role.
0: Uh, that's so dope.
1: Yeah, it's wild. It's so. It's really. It's one of those things that, to me, I never thought it would happen. I don't know. I think it's. I just think it's not not rational. Like if you're developing a show or writing a script to think like, oh yeah, this will get made. You know, like you hope it gets made, right? But like, yeah, but you, but to think that it's likely, it just. Eh. I mean, you know, people should do them, but like to me, it's like a one in a million chance. So. I wanted to develop the show because I thought this seems like it would be interesting to develop a show with with uh, with some t- a team of interesting producers, cool. uh, and then it's like if it if it ever happened, what a great bonus that would be! And as it turns out, um, I got the great bonus.
0: I think you have to be a little bit delusional in this business to succeed, don't you That's, agree?
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. You definitely have to be a little delusional, yeah, because because I, like I, I, you know, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say. I mean, if you write a script, what the chances of actually getting made? Maybe it's not one in a million, but it's it's got to be like one in a hundred thousand or something. But so you have to. So if you start like writing your script with that mentality, you're probably never going to write your script, right? So yeah, you have to exaggerate at least to some degree. You know, like maybe you know uh, one in a hundred, maybe or you know so which which is still delusional uh, probably. Yeah,
0: but you have to like hype yourself up. Otherwise, like you said, like you won't get through. The process of actually making it,
1: right? Yeah, because what's the point?
0: What did this process look like from the beginning? You first wrote a book, right?
1: Yes. So, yeah, I've written a couple of books, and this this show is based on my first book, which is called Just Don't Fall. I wrote it a long time ago in 2010. Mm-hmm. So, the show um, the show is actually based on just one chapter of the book the book is like kind of about my whole childhood it starts with uh i i lost my leg to cancer when i was a child when i was young and i as a teenager i started ski racing and eventually i went to the paralympics so the 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 book is like about that like 10-year journey the show is about uh a, a narrow sliver of one chapter which was that when i was a child I was homeschooled like yeah. through elementary school and then I transferred into public school and so that's what the show is about it's about this boy named Josh who happens to have a prosthetic leg who is uh, going from homeschool to public school for the first time and uh, you know experiencing all the the adventures and uh, and, and disappointments and, uh, and difficulties but also fun And um, and excitement of going to public school for the first time.
0: It's so cute. I love the trailer. Thank you. It's really really cool. I feel like it would have been one of those shows that I would have loved to watch when I was a kid, like the classics. Like I don't know. Did you ever watch uh, Even Stevens when you were a kid? Uh,
1: You know, like I said, I was homeschooled, so I lived. I lived in a very protected bubble um, where I watched uh, you know uh, some Disney movies that I was allowed to watch. Many I was not. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, so I had very strict, very strict parents. Um, who I love very much, uh, who are wonderful people, and and did what they thought was best for me. You,
0: you know what? I that's what I love about your books and in your writing and in your speaking is that you did kind. Of, you kind of um, you know you mentioned that you lived a little bit of a sheltered life, but you never have ever said one cross thing about your parents. Yeah. In that whole process, and I I love. I think there's so many people who. Um, you know, experience probably something of the sort when they were a kid, and they want to like place blame on their parents for it. Like, you didn't have a cell phone till you were eighteen, correct?
1: Uh, yeah, at least maybe nineteen. Uh, yeah, I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, we weren't allowed to. There's this obscure um, verse in the book of Proverbs that actually says uh, you shouldn't co-sign on someone else's loan. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, most, most people don't know the Bible as well as my parents do. Uh, so, yeah, it's like, too, if you're under 18, you can't get a, a cell phone contract. You have to have a, a, an adult sign for you. My parents wouldn't do it because of that reason. So wow. I didn't actually get one until I was in college and and that I, and I had to pay for it myself as well. Uh, so, yeah, I know. But it's like, like yeah, I, you know, I just I'm not I'm not bitter at my parents because um, I don't I think they, you know, there was nothing that they did that wasn't a hundred percent because they thought it was like the best possible thing for their child. Like they never made a decision that was, uh, that was selfish in any way. Like if anything, they, you know, were, they dedicated their lives to raising their children in the best possible way. And, uh, and, and in that sense, like, I feel like, you know, I came from a very loving home and, and for that reason, like I'm, close with all my siblings and we all get along and um and you know we all support each other which is uh, is not always the case, and and I think my parents, you know, they've also they've they've evolved. They're a little more chill than they used to be. Um, That's good and, to know. Like yeah. in what ways? Uh, well, just that, like they, uh, you know, I think that they can look back and and be like, yeah, that was kind of a strict rule that we had. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I think that they can they can see that now. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's great to have a great relationship with them. Uh, you know, particularly because uh, this this is a show basically about our family, of course. right? So it's like I don't. Um, it would be. Uh, it would be embarrassing if I was uh or, or or awkward if I was making a show and and uh, and I was estranged from my family of course you know, they're like we hate you you and your of show course. um but it's not that you know it's it's um it's like my you know my family's excited about it and yeah so it's cool because it's like you know I the the show is the show is like it is inspired by my childhood meaning it's kind of like it's kind of like the normal um stand-up person's sitcom where oh, yeah. you know it's not necessarily like exactly their life but if you know their stand up material you you would watch it and be like oh i kn- i see that this bit became this episode and this episode was kind of based on this bit so you know each episode maybe has a a, a kernel from my life or from my books or from my stand up that becomes the episode so it's not uh it's like for example Josh's parents have different first names than my parents did uh, but you know uh, they're they're similar in some ways like we you know my my real dad Um, is an accountant, and and we had uh, Josh's dad in the show be an actuary, which is kind of an accounting-adjacent job. Yeah. Um, And then, uh, so that's like, I have a brother in real life named Matt, and then I have a sister in real life named Anna, uh, and I have another brother named Luke. And So in the show, we have a Matt, and we have a sister with a different name, but we have no Luke. Um, So I feel bad for my real brother Luke, who Who doesn't have an analog on screen, but we, uh, we, and we, everyone like in, on the production felt bad about that. So we, um, my, my brother Luke is a, uh, like a sea turtle conservationist, uh, like he works on like beaches. Um, oh,
0: did you give him a role? Like he got to act in, in the show?
1: Uh, no, not quite that good, right? <laughs> um, no, what we did was, uh, the set deck people like put... Turtles everywhere in the house. So, because in real life, he like you know protects like little baby sea turtles. You know that you oh, see pictures yeah. of okay. them. Yeah. Yeah. So there's just like if you know what you're looking for in the house, there's like ten turtles, just like knickknack turtles and pictures of turtles on the walls. They're like everywhere. And,
0: and that's like in memory. In know, the house, to kind of right. Yes, it's in
1: okay. honor of him, so that so that he has sort of a. Uh, A representation of himself uh, in the show. And also a drawing that he made as a child is framed and on the wall in uh, the home, in Josh's home in the show. Oh, that's really sweet.
0: You know, now that I'm thinking about it, most TV shows, there's only three children. Like, that's like the max. Like, there's very few, unless it's like... Uh, like I don't I can't even think of any but like you know shows well, where there's like eight kids like, like like, like cheaper by the dozen right. or something yes. like that's like the whole premise of the show but like yep. normally there is two or three kids
1: yeah yeah it becomes unwieldy you know like yeah. a lot of a lot of because then every character has to have their own story and then you have all these other B stories for all the, for each kid and yeah. also um, kid actors are, you know have these extreme limitations of like how many hours that they can work every day oh my god and yeah it's incredibly challenging from a logistical standpoint, like the more kids that you you bring into it.
0: Tell me more about that, because I don't think a lot of people realize how hard it is to shoot with kids. I actually have a friend who shot a movie and the main characters were kids. And I remember hearing that it was just a nightmare kind of, and you got to, not only do you have to deal with the children, you have to bring like an onset tutor for mm-hmm. their schooling. And then you also have to deal with maybe some stage parents. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's a whole plethora of things, right?
1: Very much so. Yeah. And all the things that you described are, are absolutely accurate. You know, we were lucky that we, we cast really great kids, um, you know, starting with the, the boy who plays Josh, he had never acted before, well, and you
0: had you you were looking for something specific. You were yes. looking for a boy with one leg.
1: Right. Exactly. Right. So yeah, it was it's was it like a twelve year old boy with one leg. I mean, uh, who, it, you can't get acting. more
0: specific than that. Right.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so it was like you know the show kind of you know once we because we developed it for a few years and then. Um, uh, and then we had a writer's room and then you know apple was like all right we're like greenlighting the show but obviously it's contingent on like finding a, a great lead for the show because the, the show like rides on him uh and and it was like you know it was never for sure that we were going to find a great kid um but we were lucky you know we got a, a, a lot of auditions um from around the world uh, many of whom came from my social media and uh, and a few boys who were like really really solid um and, and fun actors and then we hired an, uh, an acting coach to work with them for a while uh actually through leslie um, oh wow that's sounds- Awesome. Yeah, a guy named Brian who ended up playing the principal in, in our show.
0: Amazing. Uh,
1: and then, uh, yes, but there was this one one boy who was just really a standout. He'd never acted before. He'd never been in a school play, like never had any ambition to act, but uh, had followed me on online for many years and just thought, like, it seemed like an interesting thing to try. Um, and, yeah, he was, he was so well, great. We there's really something
0: lucky. interesting about that, or there's something to be said about that, because he had no fear, probably.
1: Yeah. Well, yes, yes, I think— I think he had no and uh maybe no bad habits about yes about uh what acting is yeah exactly right and i think um some kids and, and many adults uh uh but but especially if kids like maybe do a lot of school plays or something then they've they have this like, like sort of school play way of acting which which is very much rewarded in your elementary yeah. school play but is not what's good when the camera is up close to you yep. on a tv show right um but he had none of that like affectation um and he was such a good listener and that was like what really stood out. You
0: That's know. 90% of acting. Oh my
1: gosh. Yeah. It's, and it's like something, you know, yeah, I wouldn't have appreciated except that I took acting lessons. And so, you know, then once we got to, to like casting him and, and everyone else having done acting lessons, I, you know, I just, I understood what we were looking for in a way that I, I never would have if I hadn't had that kind of like acting education. So it was course. And it was also it was really fascinating to come to the other, to be on the other side, right? To to have have gone through like Leslie Kahn school where we're always learning about, here's what producers are doing and saying behind the scenes and right. what they're thinking about and looking <laughs> for. And then to be in those meetings where like someone would, would do their thing and then we, we would come back to our, you know, it was all virtual, of course. And then like the producers, we get together and we we'd, like evaluate the actor, right? Or we'd give them, we'd be like, oh, we want to give them notes. And like they something else and so it was really really interesting to see that but yeah the the standout thing from for logan is that from the beginning rather than um you know what what bad acting is or instinctive acting or you know what a lot of people including myself uh tend to do uh as a bad habit is think you know like what's my next line what's my next line right and and you could see that in someone's eyes right whereas logan and that's what good acting was from his first audition just had the instinct that he was he was like with it. Like he was reacting sentence by sentence to his mom who was like, who was his reader and it was just like, whoa, you know, like that, to have that natural instinct is so rare and so amazing Um, and so we were, we were so lucky to like have have him come to our show because he was, uh, he was fantastic and I do, I think he, he had some fears and I think he would be the first to tell you that Um, but he's an athlete and uh, a very good athlete, like holds multiple national records in adaptive sports. Incredible. And so, you know, I think that I always talk to him about um, in the weeks leading up to shooting when he was, he was always nervous about it was, and he was, you know, he's nervous about like forgetting his lines and stuff like that. And I always be like, look, man, like, you know, are you nervous before your, your track meets when, when yeah. you go break world records or, you know, it's like, yeah, you're nervous. And guess what? You still crushed it. Right. And that's how it's yeah. going to be on this show. And of course it was right. And once he got going, like, you know, he just, he loved, he loved it. He loved being there. And he would like, he would stay after, after work basically. Cause to your point, yeah. So like kids can only, um, depending on their age can work a certain number of hours, like six, seven, eight hours. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he would have his, uh, his work hours and he, and then you also have to do your school. And so you have a certain number of schooling hours that you have to do every day too. And then, um, so, that's- but but they're not on set the way, or they're not there working the way that um, an adult would be, say, if they're a serious regular, they might have to sit on set for like 14 hours. Um, but so he would finish his work day, but we would have staggered it so that like some kids would work for this period and then some kids work for this period, per, you know, in the day. Uh, oh, that's
0: great. So then you guys were working a full day. Oh,
1: yeah. We'd be there. 14 that's, hours or whatever and, you know, or, and we'd have our, our crew working for 12 hours but you can't the kids can't right and so then yeah it's a lot of really clever <laughs> logistics sure. and a lot of shooting with shooting yeah. coverage when the kid's not in the room By right? a lot of just like just the parents and they're talking to no one um yeah, of course. right and then we edit back in, in i'm the sure the kids line later.
0: producer loved making that schedule
1: yeah but you know but it's like these are the a lot of the people that we hired had worked on kids shows before right and it's, so it's a skill yes and so our second ADs were like real used to like here's how we can get this you know this kid in at this time this kid in at this time because yeah because the, the rules are strict and for good reason they need to be you know they have certain hours and their um their onset tutor like times it like i mean they have literal stopwatches where they're like keeping track of how many minutes and like they will come and like pull the kid out you know wow. beyond if they like go beyond their like allotted time for the day um incredible so, yeah. As i'm
0: like was on set last week like the seventeenth hour. I was like, "Yes, Can it's very different for adults. It's very, very different."
1: So yeah, you know, it's, it felt like we were there for long hours, but like really, it was much shorter hours than uh, an adult show would be. Um, of so, course yeah. But, but yeah Logan was so great and really um, really did you know carry the series um, which is is was essential uh, to the show being good because like yeah I don't you know he had never acted before like he could have come That's... I you know I think we knew he would be a good actor but we worried like I don't, what if he hates it you know what if oh, he moves yeah. out to Los Angeles and discovers he does not have fun and like uh, has a bad attitude every day he comes to work or whatever you know like that would really be bad for us um, uh, yeah he so, seemed yeah. like a positive kid though oh, he's so positive yeah and, yeah. and I think you know, um, one of the things I'm, I'm one of the executive producers. I'm not the show and our showrunner is named Matt Fleckenstein and he's done a lot of uh, kids shows and, and been a showrunner on a lot of kids yeah. shows. And one of the big things he always talks about is that like most kid actors are, um, even really good ones are not well trained enough to be really good at playing other people other than themselves. Right. And so his philosophy and thus our philosophy on our show was like, we're looking for kids who's, Real-life personality embodies what we have imagined for that character.
0: That makes sense. And that's
1: what the character is. Like, that kid, however they are, that's our that's the character I, look,
0: now. I'm going to be honest with you. When I watched the trailer for the yeah. show and saw this kid and just, like, felt his, like, positive vibrancy, yeah. I felt like I was looking at a 10-year-old version of you. Oh, yeah? Thank it was you. crazy. It was like, you guys have, like, the same mannerisms. And I don't know if he, like, studied you or something <laughs> before he started acting in this show. But— I just like the way he moves is the same yeah. way that you move which is so crazy.
1: Yeah, no I don't I don't And good um, on
0: him for being that talented. Or no, if that's just think, how he naturally Yeah, moves. I think it's
1: just how he is. Yeah, I don't I don't think we ever were like, Logan, you got to uh, you know, <laughs> here's you now here's here's the Josh the, yeah. the patented Josh yeah. <laughs> uh hand movement for when you're talking. No, it we are, we are very similar personality-wise. Um, that's incredible. And, uh, yeah, just, just, just sort of our mannerisms and energy and the way that we think about things and approach life. Cause of course, like, you know, I was an athlete as well. And, uh, and, and so, yeah, I think he, he does embody a lot of the characteristics that I have now and, and that I had when I was that age. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So speaking of athletics, uh, you are actually a a Paralympian. That's right. Yeah. You made it to the U.S national ski team yes yeah yeah
1: i was that's right i was on the u.s paralympic ski team um that is so cool thank you as i Uh, like have (laughs) trouble
0: like going up a flight of stairs and i'm like out of breath like i think that's so cool
1: thank you yeah it was uh it was a wild adventure um you know it was when i was much younger so you know i did most of the training when i was uh in my sort of late teens and early 20s and yeah it was um it was something that I think maybe, you know, as a child, when I'm, you know, maybe when a lot of kids might have said, played, been playing soccer or baseball or whatever, you know, I, I was like recovering from an amputation and having yeah. cancer. And, and so I think I missed out on some of the, the competitive sports that I had wanted to do as a kid. And so then when I was a teenager and I sort of found out about ski racing and the possibility of going to the Paralympics, I really latched onto that. And, um, and yeah, just, just, uh, trained for, for many years and, uh, you know, it's like, I don't want to say that I was a professional athlete in a sense that I wasn't like really making money at it, but it was like functionally what um, my job was, was skiing and training every day. So, who yeah. Who
0: cares? What a freaking experience to compete at the national, the you know international, world, level. international yeah. level. Like, I mean, I think that's so incredible. Thank you. Yeah, I, no,
1: it was a huge honor. It was very, very cool. It was really amazing. Uh, to be my there. younger
0: sister uh, played soccer for the U.S. team when she was in high school. Oh, yeah, cool. She went to um, IMG Academy in Bradenton okay. uh, when she was in high school. It's like a boarding school for kids who are like really talented athletes. And, yeah. Like, both of my brothers were athletes. I had none of that athletic oh, yeah? ability. I was like the art- artist like, oh, you know, on stage. To, like, I'm an actor. Yeah, and, like frolicking around yeah. being an actor. So yeah. I'm always so impressed by anyone that has any athletic ability. Like Thank I you. always say, like I don't get starstruck by any actors because I'm like, I can do that. You yeah. know what I mean? Like Meryl Streep could walk in front of me. I'd be like, wow, this is really cool but i don't think i'd be as starstruck if like i saw like lebron james oh yeah because i'm just so infatuated with like this ability that athletes have i'm just like this is so cool that you can like move your body and like you know dunk like that i don't even know it's just so cool to me yeah so i'm impressed well
1: thank you i appreciate that if you met Meryl Streep, though, I feel like you'd be, you'd be like somewhat impressed.
0: <laughs> I would be impressed. I just wouldn't be like, as like, oh my God, like, tell me about your acting. Because, you know, I like, I feel like I know, you know, I'm familiar with yeah. that. It's not like a foreign thing to me. Yeah. Like dunking a basketball is so foreign to me. No, I do ski. I do yeah. ski. I'm not a bad skier, uh-huh. but I tend to go like straight down Really fast, and like almost take out a couple kids on the way down. Yeah. So that's not good either. Well, I don't know. I
1: mean, you know, if you you don't fall and you make it down the mountain,
0: that's. (laughs) Uh, Who said I didn't fall? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Which, by the way, I read. I think it was in your first book that you actually fell five times in your first race.
1: Yeah, I was so bad at ski racing. Uh, it, is, it is it is shocking that I made the Paralympics. How do um, you actually. have the
0: will to get back up after falling five times? That's so impressive.
1: Well, thank you. I mean, um, I don't know. Have you auditioned for five things that you didn't get
0: Uh, i've auditioned for hundreds maybe (laughs) thousands of things i didn't get
1: right so it's like you know you really want something and uh and you you fall uh, uh, right literally in my case in a ski race or sometimes it's like figuratively in in an audition and but it's like you want to cross the finish line of course literally in my case but figuratively in the case of acting and uh and so you know you just find like look at the finish line and say like all right well i Yep, gonna keep getting back up, right? Just like as many times as it takes, right? And I think you know that's that's the the really the only attitude that is going to get you across the finish line It's just
0: of course.
1: All right, you know, like yeah, as many times as it takes, fall down, it just doesn't matter. Like you're just gonna keep getting back up uh, until you cross the finish line or until you book the role.
0: I talk a lot about mindset on my podcast Mm -hmm. and, you know, the power of positive thinking and kind of like believing in the end and just knowing that you're going to be successful at something. Do you think that your mindset is what has gotten you where you are today?
1: Yeah, I think that we are probably all generally the result of our mindset. Uh, yeah. Like, um, where does that mindset come from? Nature, nurture, <laughs> who knows? You know, it's interesting because I don't, like, being positive, of course, is important. But I think, you know, I don't know that there's always the, the need to, you know, have certainty. Like what we were talking about earlier, and I guess it's maybe... A pattern for me like when i was thinking like oh the show probably won't happen but i'll try it anyway you know with the with the paralympics it's like i didn't really especially in the last couple of years of training think it was likely that i was going to make the paralympic team and my coach told me that i had a one in a million chance of making the paralympic team uh and and he, he was probably right um at the time but uh, I was like, but I thought it was possible, and it was right. like, I really, and it was like, I just was like, well, you know, what? like I want to give it my best shot, um, and and just like see if I can do it. So I wasn't positive in a sense that I wasn't thinking it was it was likely, but I was positive in a sense that I thought like, oh, it's worth it's worth doing, and I think my mindset was like keep getting back up, and and specifically when I was ski racing, I had this motto. Um, that I wrote in in with in Sharpie markers, like on all of my skis and training equipment, which was 1MT, one 1MT, one which yeah. stands for one more thing, one more time. I love and that. And that was like my training philosophy was always like, you know, one more rep in the gym, one more lap in the training course, learning one more thing about the sport. And I think that that is uh, a mindset that has... Um, been beneficial to me and is that is, is entirely transferable to, of course. you know, whether it's I'm not ski racing anymore, but it's like a mindset to uh, to write write a TV show or a book or book an acting role.
0: Do you think it's maybe like you didn't attach yourself to the idea of having a TV show? You didn't attach yourself to the idea of becoming a professional skier. And that's maybe kind of, you know, how it happened.
1: Huh? I don't know.
0: Um, because like I think if if you if we're talking about mindset and like yeah. say you like really want something but you focus too hard on it. Yeah. Like they say that like then it's not gonna happen for you because like whatever you're whatever you think about in your mind, okay. Like if you think about like an outcome that you do not want, well you're still thinking about what you don't want and that's what you're spending the majority of your time thinking about. Mm-hmm. So then that ultimately is like what manifests kind of. But yeah. you kind of just like released all thinking about it and just we're kind of like whatever.
1: Yeah, I see. I could see that that could be a possibility. Yeah, especially yeah. I mean, if you're obsessed with like the the negative thing happen yeah. happening, I mean, I think certainly, um, I think certainly, if you have an uh, an an over obsession with a certain outcome happening, um, it will. Inevitably disappoint you, exactly. Right um, before we started recording, you were you were talking about um, a friend of yours who has succeeded at something that they've wanted for a long time, and mm-hmm. and it's not it's not what they thought, right? It's not yeah. going going the way they thought. My next book coming out in a couple of weeks, the same week the, sh- the show comes out. Actually, it's a, it's called Semi Famous, and it's about big fame. Mu- big month for you. <laughs> yes, it's a very big month for me. Uh, and so it's about fame, and it's about whether whether it's possible to be both very famous and very happy. That's yes. kind of the central question of the book. And so you know, because that was really interesting to me is, is, was understanding when, you know, people want something generally because they think it's going to make them happy. Right. And, and so I thought, but, but we have this, I think most of us think that if you become famous, it actually probably is really hard and stressful and maybe makes you less happy. Um, so what I wanted to understand was like, well, is it even possible that you could Get famous and be happy, Mm. Um, and I think the you know the danger of believing something like fame could make you happy or whatever it is, money could make you happy, or success in whatever endeavor that you have could make you happy um, is the it's it's kind of like being you know unhappy with with you know basically with yourself and then like moving to a different state and thinking oh man if I move to Nashville I'll be happy well guess what you go to Nashville ah. Turns out you're still living inside the same brain as you were before. So you still have I, the same negative thoughts you did before. It's yes. just now you're paying a different landlord for your rent.
0: I literally talked about this in one of my previous episodes oh, yeah? and how moving to a new place will not cure your depression.
1: Yep. Yep. And it's but it's like the same thing. It's like getting in a thing that is objectively positive also will not cure your depression. Right. It's like, Mm-mm. um, I, you know, if you're if you are. Un- unhappy when you're not famous and you become famous, guess what? You're still the same person that you were before, plus the stresses of, of being famous. Yes. Right. So the only way that you would be happy and famous is if you figure out how to be happy before you are famous. Exactly. Um, and I think that's the reality for anything else. And and say, like, you know, going to the, the Paralympics or the Olympics, um, I think there's a danger in putting so much of your identity in in thinking like this thing has to happen yes. um, because if it doesn't happen, you're going to be devastated. And if it does happen, you're going to be devastated because you thought it was going to solve all your problems, right? Right? There's this like, and to some degree, getting to the Olympics does require, I think, a a little bit of that delusion, uh, similar to say, succeeding in entertainment, right? Of think like because the sacrifices required are so great that you do kind of have to persuade yourself that it's that it's going to like be it's going to be everything, right? Yeah. That it's all the things that you've ever wanted, you're going to have and all of the things that you wanted to get rid of, you'll have gotten rid of by being on the Olympic team, right? You, be, yeah. you kind of have to think that um, because otherwise you won't be willing to make those sacrifices. But the problem is then when you get it, it actually isn't all of those things because you're still the same person that you were before. Exactly. It's nice objectively, right? Like there are benefits to it, sure, um, but you have to work out the stuff in your own head. Um, because you you still have that same voice in your head that yeah. you did before whether or not you want a medal uh,
0: I want to go back to the uh, skiing really quickly as a child you yes. didn't ski as a child
1: um, I did not yeah I didn't ski as a child until I, and before I lost my leg I, I played soccer um before I had cancer and, and in some ways it was like I, I latched onto skiing because I couldn't play on this like travel soccer team that I had really wanted to play on as a kid um so yeah no I learned to ski actually through a program at my rehab hospital like where I was treated for the cancer and yeah just like latched onto it and loved that you know how fast I could go um on on one ski yeah that was like I could go as fast as two legged people and I think that that sort of speed was very appealing to me at that age
0: Oh, that's super interesting. Did most of the people on uh, your ski team, which is it, is it a ski team or it's, it's an individual sport?
1: It is an individual sport. Um, you probably, you would train with a team. Um, and then you also, when you go to the Paralympics, you know, you were on the U S Paralympics ski team. Um, however, you are winning a medal. What should you win a medal? as yourself. Yeah. You know, so it's like you're your named to the team but but it's not like we're not like out on the court playing together. Um so in that sense it is uh it is an individual sport. Yeah.
0: And had most of those people skied before they lost a leg?
1: Um you know, I I don't know if I could uh if I would know the the exact statistics of of how that would work I, so in the Paralympics you know everyone has some sort of physical disability right um, and so there's a broad array of disabilities represented um, you know any or anything like spinal cord injuries. Uh, yeah. obviously amputees like myself, um, people who are, are blind uh, or uh, low vision, um, so all sorts of different things. So, uh, yeah, I think you would you would find a broad array of of reasons for the disability, whether that be um, from birth uh, as a result of an accident, as a result of disease, etc. I think that if I were to guess, I observe in adaptive sports in general, because I've played other things and I've played yeah. on the U.S. amputee soccer team the last couple of years, I think that there is um, disproportionately represented our people who were born with whatever situation that they're in, um, as opposed to, uh, you know, came into it later in life. And I think that's probably because, you know, they've had more years of adapting and also because they were able to uh, adapt as a child when we are inherently like very um, malleable and adaptable and resilient. So, you know, if you have two 20-year-olds and one of them was born without a leg and one of them lost their leg four years ago, uh, you know, athletically, the twenty-year-old is 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 kind of ahead because uh, he or she has had those extra years of of developing. So that would be my guess. So
0: you're saying that the one that's ahead is the one that just lost their like no, four that, years that ago. No, that
1: was born without it. Oh, okay. Because he or she has had uh, a, an extra sixteen years of. Of being on one leg and practicing and moving yeah. with one leg, which is different, of course, than moving with two legs. Now, of course, there, yeah, there's all kinds of different people. There's people, you'll see people in the Paralympics who were like, who were like professional skiers before they lost a leg. And then they lost a leg and they're still professional skiers and they just happen to have one leg now. So, yeah, you, you would find all sorts of different like causes for um, for the the injury or disability.
0: That's so interesting. Uh, Can we talk about Oster Pistorius for a second? Sure. Okay, so I watched our YouTube video where you're talking about the verdict of his case. Yeah, yeah, years ago. It's a classic
1: classic video from the archive.
0: Well, it just so happens that about a year ago, I watched his 30 for 30 on ESPN Mm -hmm. and I became infatuated with his story Yeah. because it's just so interesting, you know, and for those of you listening who don't know the story, um, this is a Paralympian who was a track runner Mm -hmm. and he shot his girlfriend she passed Probably. away but well i thought did, he admitted to shooting his girlfriend i
1: don't i think but that he was judged guilty of 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 said crime but i don't know that he has admitted it oh he did not admit it i don't know yeah i would okay, not the, go on the record with, with that but that's what i think is uh, is the current situation
0: in it is my impression. So I think
1: in a court of law, I think he was judged guilty. So I think we can we right. can safely say that. I am under
0: the it. impression, after watching his thirty for thirty, yeah. that he admitted to shooting her, but said it was an oh, accident. Oh, that's
1: right. Yes, yes, he definitely yeah. admitted to shooting her. Yes, but that, said it yeah. was like um, he thought it was an intruder in his apartment. Right.
0: Exactly. So he was, but it's interesting because you know they were sleeping in the same bed. He looked over and she wasn't there. So it's just like this. The whole story thing is not of, great.
1: Yes, it doesn't hold up to yeah. scrutiny.
0: Okay, so. From your perspective as an amputee, why do you think that was a setback for amputees? Because that's what you said in your YouTube channel. I just want you to elaborate on that. That is such an interesting perspective that I personally did not think about when I was watching the ESPN 30 for 30.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that Oscar Pistorius is objectively um, one of the most famous, if not the most famous amputee. In the world, yes. right? Um, I
0: would I would agree with that,
1: especially outside the United States. If you look at the, he's not necessarily the most famous amputee in the United States, but like in the world, he probably is. So in that sense, you know, he is um, a, a leading sort of representative of uh, of, of us. Obviously, on a, sort of a service level, it's like, well, you know, you don't want like the the lead the lead person who yeah. represents <laughs> your minority group to be uh, a murderer uh, yeah. <laughs> and kind of a psychopath, possibly. We, you know, we we don't want people to like think. Um, Because I guess I guess maybe my fear would be that people that that there could be an impression that like somehow the disability was part of what motivated him to to commit the crime or or that is like part of what made him the kind of person who would commit the crime. And I think if I'm not mistaken, he said in his defense that part of why he shot the unknown person through the door was because he wasn't wearing his prosthetic limbs and thus he felt like more vulnerable um, which is like it may very well be true, and I—that's I, 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 a reasonable mentality. But like, I don't—I don't love the most famous amputee in the world being like, "Well, you know, as an amputee, uh, I felt vulnerable, <laughs> and so I shot someone." Of
0: course, it's right? so like, "Well, I don't know.
1: I don't. I don't hopefully, most of us I mean, are not like that."
0: I feel like you don't use being an amputee for anything well like i haven't everybody. shot anyone so if i
1: shoot anyone we'll see maybe <laughs> i'll maybe i'll change my mind and use that as a defense
0: no but it's not the first thing that comes up in conversation
1: hopefully not yeah and i'm
0: also glad and relieved that you haven't shot anyone thank you yes uh, I, feel, I feel a lot safer now knowing that
1: yeah good news good news not not yet uh so uh <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay well.
1: well i don't know if you'd heard about oscar Pistorius. uh we're dangerous people. <laughs>
0: Have you seen his thirty for thirty on ESPN? I have not. I'm sure I it's very compelling. Highly recommend it. It's yeah. very compelling. I don't know if it came out during the pandemic, and that's why I only watched it a year ago. I don't know if it was like a new thing, but I love those like, yeah. sports stories. I think they're so intriguing. The one on Tiger Woods is also very compelling.
1: Yeah, also very interesting person.
0: Very interesting person. I mean, his dad like had him playing golf when he was two, like speaking to him in a crib about like the game of golf and. You know, I just i I can only imagine like the mental shit that goes on with you when you're a golf player. Because think about it, like you have 18 holes, you're just that's you in your head. Yeah, that's a long ass time. Yeah, totally. to just be with you and your thoughts. Yeah, it's like no wonder he's like swinging golf clubs at windows and whatever else.
1: Like I was saying earlier about what I think it takes to go to the Olympics. I, you know, I don't. I don't think in general that elite athletes are, um, are, uh, like, I would not hold them up as examples of, of mental health. Like, I oh, think, yeah. you know, I think like being an athlete in general, great. Uh, you know, being fit, of course. Awesome. The drive that it takes to like reach that level in a sport, I think often, uh, often comes from something that might be unhealthy.
0: Yeah. Because it's so um, far outside of the norm. Someone told me recently, and I don't know if this is true. We'd have to look it up, and don't quote me on this. But uh, there are a number of NFL players who have, if their wives like think they're coming down with something, like they go to a hotel, and then yeah. like you're during like serious games, like the wife like takes the kids and like they go to the hotel.
1: Ah, uh, that, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know if you have like that much money on every yeah. game you play, then like it's it's kind of rational at that point.
0: Yeah, yeah, but like I, for so many people in you know um the majority of like middle America that's not used to that kind of a lifestyle, like would look at that and be like, that's insane. Yeah, like I'm not leaving the house with my kids. Like you know you leave the house. You know, I don't you know whatever their mentality is, but it's just so far fetched from. I guess regular life.
1: Yeah, totally. But I think it's like that's the the sort of seriousness that it takes to um, to succeed at that level. I think that you know that that drive, that competitiveness, is um, you know potentially or is often uh, unhealthy, right? Yeah. And so it comes, I think, often from an unhealthy place, and uh, and thus I think, yeah, elite athletes are are not like, so talking about like happiness. They're they're not necessarily um, happy people do you think uh, you're happy successful
0: do you think you're happier now not now that you're not competing
1: um yeah as far as being a ski racer yeah. yes i think so i think you know there's a cool i miss the there's a uh, a clarity to the lifestyle yeah. when it's like you know I'm uh, like when I'm when I'm ski racing when I was ski racing, it's like I'm doing one thing, which is I'm trying to go to the Paralympics. That is the only thing that I'm doing. Right. Therefore, from when I wake up in the morning to when I go to bed at night, every decision is kind of easy. Not the things that I do are hard, but like every decision is easy because it's kind of like, does this thing make me go maybe more likely to go to the Paralympics? If so, then yes, I should do it. Right. And so it's like everything about your life is structured around this one goal. And so you, you know, you never have a day where you feel like I don't know, purposeless, right? Right. right. You have like you have purpose every day, right? And I think that's, um, it's not necessarily happiness, but but um, having purpose is uh, certainly a very. Um uh, nice nice thing to have as a human being so uh, you know as a as a adult now living a more complex life where i have like multiple goals and and demands and and uh, a wife and you know care more about relationships than i did when i was going to the Paralympics yeah. um i think those those things are healthier but it makes a, a, every decision more complex because every everything you say yes to um sort of means that you have to say no to like five other things that that you you know you could have done and that you also care about
0: of course i mean when well, they say it's a lonely road to the top you know you have to sacrifice a lot of social things yep. to train for skiing. Or, yeah, I you didn't know, have a
1: lot of friends in high school, of course. Yeah. But <laughs> if you if,
0: but if you want to do anything like you know make a TV show or become a motivational speaker, like you people don't realize like the dark side of that is you have to be at home, like focusing on this these goals every single night. And it is nice now that you have a wife. I am a firm believer that you can have a family and you can also be super successful. That I think both of the things can exist together. Sure. So, and I mean, you're obviously an example of that. Your wife is one of the friendliest people I've ever met in my life. She's so lovely. And I know that she's probably enhanced your life as you've enhanced hers.
1: Totally. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, I think dramatically so. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to imply that like that, uh, I am less successful in any area because of her. Cause actually I think it's the opposite. Yeah, It's more just thinking of like the time that you're spending is like, you have to balance the time, say working with time with her, of course. but but overall, uh, yes, I'm, I, I am more effective in everything that I do, um, because of her and, um, because of the sort of, uh, You know, like literal assistance that she brings to like everything I do, but also just like sort of the insight and the way that she's like helped me grow as a person. Of Um, course, yes, I'm. I'm, uh, I've gone much further than I would have had I been trying to do these things alone.
0: Yeah, you know, I think there's a misconception uh, in today's society that you know if you do get into a serious relationship, that it will somehow um, distract you from your goals. And I, I do disagree with that because, I mean, like the relationship that I'm in, I am more ma- motivated than I've ever been. Yeah. So, and it feels like the same with you and Ashley. Like, you guys are growing together. You're getting more accomplished with her, you know, helping you. I and mean, she literally helps you. Yes. With yeah. Your, we like, we she, actually like
1: work together now. Yeah. yeah so the, fir- the first couple of years of our marriage, um, she, you know, worked in a traditional job, but yeah, we, we'd always kind of had the idea like, Oh, maybe someday like we'll work together. Um, but we didn't want to do that at the start of our marriage, which I think is, it was good. Um, because it's like, you want to like sort of build your, your relationship first, um, before you like add in the complication of working together, of which is, is fairly difficult and requires a lot of compartmentalization, um, you know, mentally and emotionally. Um, but yeah, she like, you know, that was what she, really wanted to do was like but be a part of my uh, we, the sunquist company llc that's my llc i, I love it um so yeah so, but she like that was and so to me it's like yeah if, if you want to do that great um i'd had other people work for me uh, in different capacities over the years and and could certainly continue to do this do so um or if she wanted to do any other job i would like support her in whatever career she wanted but like if she wants to work together like, awesome. Love that. Um, because yeah, there's nobody I'd rather be, you know, partnered with on a professional level. Um, so yeah, it's, it's interesting cause it's a little different. I think, you know, most, um, it is, it is not super common to find couples that, that work together. Mm-mm. But I think, you know, the thing I've always said is like, but, uh, that's a pretty recent phenomenon. Like throughout all of like human history up until like the industrial revolution, um, every family worked together. Every business was a family business, right? It's like, you are a farmer, I, you know, like the both, both members of the, of the couple worked on the farm. All the kids worked on the farm. You were, right you know, like that, yeah. whatever shop you have, you were a, a, a you are a merchant or you were a blacksmith, whatever it was like, Every business was a family business. That's always how it's been. Yeah. And historically marriage has actually been mostly about like that uh, like an economic relationship. Um, so it's only yeah. in the last hundred years that we have these like differentiated jobs and also that marriage is is about love, which I think is great and, and better than marriage used to be. Um, but I, I think that in that sense it's like it it maybe in, in a modern uh time it is is more unusual for couples to work together. But I think I look historically, I'm like, this is something that people have done for a long time. Uh, and so there's no reason why, like, it can't work for us.
0: I mean, there obviously has to be sometimes when you have disagreements, like, it's inevitable for that to happen. Yeah. What advice would you give a couple, a young couple who wants to start a business together?
1: Yeah. First, you know, maybe don't. Uh <laughs> Uh, you know, you know, th- you know, maybe think about like, first of all, like, do you want to even start up? Why are you starting a business? Why, much less starting a business together. Um, yeah. But at, at the very least, my advice would be like, wait, you know, like wait a few years, make sure like your relationship as a married couple is strong yes. because it brings, it is a lot. There's like mo- when we do have strain or disagreement in our relationship, it is, it is is gen- it is often because of something business related or something because of the the tension that happens because it's like the way we interact on a personal level is is different than the way that we interact about business things sometimes it's hard to like separate those. Um, and so then, you know, when there is difficulties, it's because of, of those like kind of interlacti- interacting, interacting or, or interweaving, um, which is inevitable. So yeah, that would be my advice is like, you know, build, build your relationship first. And then if you do want to like also, you know, be, be working together in business, it's like, you have to build in kind of like that compartmentalization, whether that's, we, we don't talk about business after 5 PM or like here's the business right. room in the house and the not business room, yeah. or whatever that is for you. I think that, like, to, at least for us, I, I think that that's, that's been an important, Thing.
0: oh that's actually a really good rule to you know not talk about business past 5 p.m or whatever time you yeah. you know dedicate to not talking about business
1: yeah we try to like stop you know outside business hours because otherwise it's like then all you talk about is like
0: yeah emails
1: and, and money and negotiations yeah. and then it's like what then it's like <laughs> you're it, not talking about normal well, things anymore and
0: it sounds like it you know it sounds like ashley does her own thing as well like she just went yes. on a three-week trip with her mom mm-hmm.
1: to spain yeah, she has a lot of side hustles also that right. are uh, totally independent, which I think is also really uh, probably important for a relationship like of that. Of course. So, yeah, no, she's uh, she's a yoga teacher and taught a lot of yoga, especially pre-pandemic. Um, she helps uh, lead a, um, a meal for people experiencing homelessness every Thursday night in Santa Monica a saint. at Salvation Army. Um, which is very, very busy with. And um, yeah, from, from time to time, has worn uh, a lot of different hats. During the pandemic, she picked up woodworking and sold woodworking for a while. Um, so, yeah. You
0: know, a lot of people picked up a lot of different hobbies. Uh,
1: yes, indeed. That was a, a hallmark of the pandemic. I picked up, um, uh, you know producing television. Um, Uh,
0: Not a bad thing to pick up. Yeah,
1: it's kind of like woodworking.
0: By the way, did you film that show during the pandemic?
1: Yeah, we filmed in fall, like last fall, so fall of 2021.
0: So it was like everyone had to wear a mask on set and all that. Yeah,
1: it was really, really intense. So yeah, I mean, we had constant testing. We had a whole COVID crew. We had probably five people who just were like full-time COVID all the time. That's all they did. was Wow. um,
0: Yeah, a COVID compliance officer, as they call it.
1: Yeah. So yeah, we had like a bunch of crew and obviously like constant testing and everyone had to wear a mask. Mask all the time. So yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, cause we work long hours. So I would wear a, like a you know, N95 mask for like fifteen hours. Yeah. Um, which so yeah, it was, it was very intense.
0: Uh The acne that I got like around my mouth here yeah. in this area from those masks was like I kept yeah. having. Like I, I, eventually like bought a pack of them and was like, you know what, I'm just gonna every like couple hours just put a new one on. Yeah. Especially when you're wearing makeup too, it oh, gets yeah, like I gross. It's,
1: it's it's rough if you're wearing makeup. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, we you know we never got shut down for for COVID. Like people got COVID. Um, but you yeah, know, because we were like following really good practices, like we were always able to like them and um and 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 we never like had any outbreaks that would that slowed us down at all which was great
0: i'm working on a show now which i won't say which one because uh i don't know if i'm allowed to even say like what their rules are but i'm just so like flabbergasted that i go in for my covid test on like let's say like a monday and i'm i'm working on wednesday right okay so i get my tests on monday i don't get the results till monday night but i'm not working till wednesday yeah they don't test me on Tuesday, they don't test me on Wednesday. Yeah. That logically makes no sense.
1: Well, think about the opposite. If if they tested you on Wednesday, because we have the same rule basically. And then right? you, right. And then because if you test then positive, then you send tested you home. Positive, yeah. And now you've already exposed all the people that you are <laughs> with all day Wednesday, right? So. Uh,
0: yeah, but. I worked on another movie during the pandemic and they tested us when we got to set and we had, it was a rapid test and so we had to wait 20 minutes like in our car. Yes. And if we, you know, tested positive, then like we couldn't work that day. And I mean, that cost the production a lot of money. Like thankfully, I don't think anybody got, got COVID the whole time because we were so isolated. Yeah. But yeah. It's yeah, just we scenario. had that too. It's, it's a lot of was, money they're spending. Yes, it's it was
1: just... It's extraordinary amount of uh, millions and millions of dollars. This is extraordinary. It's extraordinary. Kind of the price of making a... Yeah. a, a, a a show right now in, in that sense. I'm like, so, man, I'm really glad that all this stuff was in place so that we could make a yeah. show while a pandemic was happening. That's that's kind of amazing. What an, Thank how you. How cool
0: that you took, you know, from a book to a show. I mean, not a lot of people can say that, you know, and, and about your life, no less. It's pretty
1: crazy. Yeah, it's pretty wild.
0: When you were nine years old and you lost your leg to cancer. Right. Could you have ever imagined this would happen?
1: Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that, don't we all, doesn't everybody kind of like, think about, like, if my life was a movie or my life was a show. Yeah, I
0: think probably everyone. I think everyone. we all have yeah. that kind of
1: fantasy, but, like, I didn't, I wouldn't have thought it was likely to happen. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like you always have it in the back of your mind. I don't know that I would have thought about it actively when I was nine. Um, yeah, I don't know. I never, I didn't, to be honest, I never, you know, it's certainly something as, like, a, a person who gives motivational speeches and writes books that people have often said that to me over the years. Oh, is there going to be a movie about your life? Of course. Life? To be honest, I, I was, like, I don't know that my life is that interesting. Um, th- yeah. like, uh, and so to be honest, I never really expected it in that sense. Um, but I think that, uh, what the stuff I've done in the last couple of years of like, especially doing stand-up and, and making comedic internet videos has given me, um, a point of view. And mm-hmm. so I think, I don't know if I've ever thought about it quite this way, but I, so I think to be honest, I think the show is more about my point of my point of view than it is about my life as a 12-year-old, right? Because it's like, of course, you know, like little bits of every episode are based on something probably from my stand-up or my real life. But really what the show is, it's about this, like, this really specific point of view that I have about a very specific situation. Right. Which is like a most, most of the time looking at it from what's funny about this as opposed to like what's horrible about this. Or if it is what's horrible about this, it's like what's funny about how horrible this is. Yes. Um, And so I think... Because I think the issue is I think people look and think, oh, you have one leg. That's really interesting. That should be a movie. Having one leg is not that interesting. It's kind of interesting, but it's not like TV show interesting. Right. What's interesting is like comedy that's about having one leg in the story world of going from homeschool to public school. So then you have a fish out of water story, which is like universally relatable to people. And so I think that's ultimately like what made the show work.
0: Yeah. I mean, I have to compliment you on your just general outlook on life because I mean, you're The way that you just approach things, like your comedic approach, it's just so refreshing. Thank you. That you just like are able to laugh at yourself and have a great time. Like your Halloween costumes are... (laughs) the flamingo one. Yeah. Uh, first of all i don't know how you bend your body like that
1: yeah that was you were that's like, probably my favorite one I, too I'll, I'll
0: put a picture up on the okay. screen but like you're you're you just like you were on your hands right yeah it's on and my you, crutches actually so yeah. it's like a
1: crutch handstand um and it's yeah it's not i mean i can't like walk around a party like that it's a very like oh, all right yeah. we got we got the picture um but yeah it's uh it's it was That one's like my favorite picture too. It's just, it's very uncanny. It's It's like really looks like a flamingo.
0: But I think that a lot of people who have been through traumatic events or like, I mean, getting cancer, it's no easy feat, you know? I mean, I certainly know a handful of people um, who've had cancer and I feel like, you know, I, I assume that your general outlook on life changes, your perspective changes once like something like that happens to you. And it's really cool that you are able to find the humor in all the situations and like, help inspire other people not to take themselves so seriously and you don't try to inspire people like that's i don't i don't feel like that's what you're trying to. it just kind of naturally happens because you have this like you know nonchalant disposition
1: i thank you for saying that yeah oh, you're thank welcome. you for saying all of that but yeah specifically yeah i don't um I, I think there was a time when I was in high school when I was like, wanted to become a motivational speaker when mm-hmm. I grew up, that I was like, oh, what does a motivational speaker do? They inspire people. And so I was like, I should be inspiring. And so I always say, yeah. like, I always give motivational speeches that were like, oh, what's inspiring? I'll say the thing that I think is inspiring. And my, and the, but my motivational speeches were terrible. They were so yes. bad. Um, it's and like when
0: I try to be funny, it's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> Just isn't. Right.
1: right. But it's like when you try to be yourself and honest, right? That's funny. Yeah, exactly. Right? And that's the Which thing. is
0: scary for a lot of people, including myself. Yes,
1: it's totally scary, right? Because it requires vulnerability. And that's what a good motivational speech is. It's honest, yes. right? And so the, on- like, when my speeches got good and actually, I think, inspiring was when I tried to be human instead of inspiring, right? And, yeah. and try to think of, like, well, what's the thing I don't want to tell the audience? Well, that's probably what you should tell them. Yeah. Um, right? Because that that's, like, where, where the power is. And, yeah, I think that, um you know, it's like in... In sort of the disability world, this, there's this term called disability porn. Um, have you heard of this? I've never heard of yeah, this. Yes, so it's a really, really big and interesting and complex issue. But um, there is there can be a tendency uh, for able bodied people to uh, look at a person with a disability and find them inspirational purely because of the disability, right? Oh, you know, it's just yeah. like, oh, you're, you use a wheelchair that's so inspiring because I don't, because it looks hard or like, yeah. I, I can't imagine myself, uh, you know, yeah, right? Yeah. But, but it's kind of like the fetish, this is such a hard word to say, fetish, <laughs> fetishization, like fetish, yes. but fetishization. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I got, It's got like you, the fetishization of, of, uh, of a disability or a physical impairment, um, which is sort of like, then it's sort of, it's, it's weird on a lot of levels, but it's, and it's also like a little insulting because it's like, well, like I don't, just because I, I, I have one leg, why is that inspiring? like, if you want, like, um, if you think that I'm a good ski racer and you find that the racing itself inspiring, that's cool. Yes. I'm fine with that. But, um, uh, but like, I'm
0: down with this. I right, like, yeah. I'm, I, I think that's important that you say this.
1: Right. But so it's tricky though, right? I'm a motivational speaker. I recognize that there are people who walk out of the room and they're like, that dude has one leg. I'm inspired just because he has one leg. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Of course. Right.
1: I can't stop those people they're gonna think what they want but i'll tell you like when i go on stage i'm not trying to convey that right like you can take whatever you need from the talk and if you need that fine um but uh but i you know but i i I try to never approach it with that that attitude and i think in making the show that was something that we uh fought against really hard because there's always a natural tendency there's this like there's this gravity that pulls um, media about disability that pulls it always toward inspiration porn. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, every new person that ca- came in, we, you know, we, we were lucky in our, our writer's room, actually like five of us out of the 12 people in the room had disabilities. Right. Wow. So, but the other people, which is astonishing and way different than most writers rooms, yeah. but the other people, like they were able bodied, like they didn't know about inspiration porn. Right. And then yeah. and we bring on a crew and we have like 200 people. Right. And they don't know about this, but there's this gravity that's always pulling people towards it. Um, so I think you know everyone had to like learn that, and we always had to actively fight against that tendency of of like oh you know is this a show is this kid inspiring and and we do this now when we're promoting the show of course right and it's like I've d- done a lot of interviews now and uh and you know, we did a press junket a couple weeks ago you know and naturally we get questions like oh man you know so it's so you know this character is like so in- inspiring and you know we're always like it's like yeah but like you know what, what hopefully he's inspiring not just because he has one leg yeah hopefully he's inspiring and and that's cool as part of it but hopefully what he's inspiring is like because he has a cool attitude and I mean He's well, funny I- and he's positive And like, yeah. And also he has one leg, but like, he's hopefully inspirational as a whole package, not right. just as a disability. And the way I always try to say it in like the way to think about a show is like, this is not a, it's not a prosthetic kid who has, it's, it's not a prosthetic leg who has a kid attached. It's a, kid who happens to have a prosthetic leg right so it's like it's always person first not not like the adaptive device or disability first um so anyway uh, that's all just a long way of saying like thank you i took that as as a compliment yeah well i mean i think never my effort
0: yeah no i think that you guys achieved that because i mean that was one of the first things i said to you is like this kid's energy like he's just like magnetic we have to wrap it up unfortunately this has been so much fun likewise yeah this is so thank you for coming on in line my bitch. um if you are watching this podcast and if you want to have josh come and talk at your business retreat you do all kinds of different talks like i've listened to snippets of them on the internet obviously know him personally cannot tell you enough how he can help your business like you have different things on your website yeah uh, people can check out
1: yeah people should check that out Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's a pretty niche person probably who needs to be as a motivational speaker. No, I feel
0: like anybody could relate to you. Yeah, but I think for most
1: people, it's probably more like watching my videos or or reading one of my books or uh, or, or watching the show.
0: Yeah, order one of his books on Amazon.
1: The next book comes out July 19th and the show comes out July 22nd.
0: Wow, so July 19th and July 22nd, very important dates to remember. Yeah. And thank you again for coming on. And, you know, you'll have to update me on... I mean, obviously, I'm gonna watch the show. Do all episodes come out at once?
1: Yep, they all drop the same day. How many? Ten. Ooh. Yeah, big day.
0: Big day. Ten I'll episodes. be uh, binge watching. Yeah. And it's a family friendly show. So it is. Yeah, if you it's, have it's kids. A,
1: it's a kids and family show. I have so a lot, it's specifically for I have a, families. Yeah, I have yeah. a lot of mom listeners. So. Good.
0: Enlighten me, bitch. I be a boss. I got the sauce. No point in fighting me. Leave them torch. I run my kingdom. Call me sire. We never taking L's, only lessons. No, we never counting fails, only blessings. Never stressing. I said, enlighten me. Bitch, I be a boss. I got the sauce. No point in fighting me. Gang, they hyping me. Rightfully, I am stable. I am able. I am wealthy. Full of health. On a ride. I got the belt. You got a problem? Check yourself. Bitch.